Welcome back to the show off. My name is Alex J. I am a producer here at the Batuta Advocate. Hi, I'm Effie Bateman, lifestyle and entertainment reporter at the Batuta Advocate. And I'm Laura Marcia, entertainment reporter at Pedestrian. This week on the show off, we are talking about where the nut or yup to the cup issue stands in 2023. The meteoric rise of TikTok food critic Keith Lee and how he managed to take down an entire American city's restaurant scene. And finally, is the Australian media and entertainment scene in a death rattle we discuss? Let's get into it. So before we get into our top stories this week, last week we asked you guys on Spotify what fucked up reality TV shows you would like to see on pedestrian television on Nine Now. And you guys, we got some responses. Oh boy. We did, we did. So Megan says she would like to see MasterChef, but they have to make historic recipes throughout different time periods. Oh my God. Give Megan a great idea. She deserves a license to make this show. She needs to be a producer. Get Channel 10 to call her. I love the idea of just like some two ingredient bread from like the 1800s. And a Mexi Kent said, bring back Takeshi's Castle or Robot Wars. Robot Wars. What was Robot Wars? Oh, my brothers and I used to watch it's, this. It's exactly what it yeah. sounds okay, like. Okay, yeah. <laughs> they like they ran into each other and they'd talk about the different weapons that they'd have and yeah. it's this ring and it would kind of be like really hyped up flames. Like, like a boxing yeah. ring, but for robots. Yeah, it was Hells, actually yeah. so good. Nice. And then Fur Gilbert said, snog, marry, avoid. Good one. A classic. One. So thank you so much to all you guys for writing in. Uh, keep listening. We'll be announcing our next question at the end of this episode for Spotify. But again, before that, Laura, I really needed to ask you something very important. Yes. Very exciting. Yes. How does it feel being humble this week? <laughs> it actually feels great. Um, Tell us what your week has been oh, like. I just want to say I'm the first to say to admit when I'm wrong. And I'm a Leo, so humbling is like so necessary on the regular. <laughs> um, but this week I got called out by the lovely fellows at the Hello Sports podcast, or more accurately, their mm. fans, the punters and dribblers, love you, um, for saying that they were talking shit on their podcast when they first had some claims that Mary Fowler and Nathan Cleary were like hooking up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I did like a little cheeky investigation on pedestrian about whether these claims are true. And this is like back back when we first like heard that they went for a walk for ice cream. There were no Mm. pictures available. There weren't any pictures. But there was an Adidas event. So it was like Mm -hmm. they went to ice cream after the Adidas event. Mm. So I was like, okay, let's see where these claims came from. Mm -hmm. And apparently it was in like the Sydney Morning Herald on Sunday. And that's what they were reporting on, but I couldn't find the article. Mm -hmm. So I just looked at all the claims and everyone was referring to them as the source. So I was Mm. like, maybe they were talking shit, which... We've all done it on a podcast. Oh, I feel like that's all I do on podcasts. <laughs> well, that's literally what I messaged them to. I was like, I'm, I'm always talking shit. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but one day on the weekend, I woke up to, this is after all the photos came out that they actually like have matching bracelets. They're probably dating. Now it's like, which I love. I love love. Mm. But I woke up to all these messages from random dudes being like, you owe my friends an apology. And I was like, who are your friends? What am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? It's like, who are your mates? And then when they, yeah, it took me a, a little bit to realise what was going on because it was months ago, this story. Wow. So yeah. it was months ago and the, yeah. their fans have been hold and they know who you are. I love how they passionate found they are. No, me too. And everyone was nice. Like it was fine. That's it just great. like it took a hot minute. I was like, so I guess I'm cancelled. Like oh, now no. it's, it's now. I'm done. My career's I've done. I've done it. And I thought oh, it was no, something. No, that blackface photo was finally oh, coming out. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> 
Lord, that didn't happen. That was a joke. Um, no, I thought it was because of something I wrote about a Big Brother article. I just made like okay. I was introducing the contestants, and then I realized the names didn't match up, and I was like, "There's no Tom already. There's none of them." Mm. Um, so it took me a while, but once I realized, I was like, "That's incredibly fair." Wow! <laughs> so I did issue an apology on my cheeky little Instagram story. Mm-hmm. Um, Press yeah. release, so we... Did, yes! Sorry, yeah, you had to do the celebrity press release. Oh, my oh, gosh. You should do an apology video. Yes! I Get should, bossed out no, ukulele, done, maybe? Yes. I actually do have a ukulele, yeah. and I should have done a notes app apology. Because we we know that they're the most effective. Yes. Yeah, that's what Lizzo did. That's indeed what she did. But, no, I even look... I'm like... At one point, I was like, we should send them flowers. Like, to, And my editor is looking into it. So, like, <laughs> fellas, if you don't get flowers, that's above my pay grade. Um, more to come. More to come. But, yeah, no, it was actually so fine and very funny. And so many weird people from my past have come out of the woodwork being like, you're famous now. Like, I don't think I am, mate. I think I just i am on your sports potty. <laughs> anyway. That's great. So we funny. can confirm Nathan Cleary. Mary Fowler yep. are an item. They appear Power to be an couple. item. Appear to be. An Hello item. Sports were correct and I was wrong. We love a humble Leo. <laughs> well, don't don't get used to it. I mean, I'm, I'll be humbled again next week, I promise. <laughs> and now it's time for shit you should care about. Laura, have you got some shit we should care about? I do, I do. So as we're recording this podcast, the Melbourne Cup's on. Uh, it's the race that supposedly stops the nation. But over the last, you know decade there's been a huge shift in attitudes for the Mm. Melbourne Cup it's now not so much the race that stops the nation it's more like the race that makes you share an infographic on your Instagram (laughs) yeah there's not to the cup and but then you secretly put five dollars into the office suite so I haven't seen as much this year it might be because there's a fuck ton of things going on in the world so maybe but I haven't seen anything on my Instagram feed today and usually no nut to the cups I've seen none yeah I'm very very surprised I Mm. shared one article that I wrote so of course I would um (laughs) not many people I haven't seen much stuff and I think you're so right there's bigger bigger things going on Mm. in the world right now but I do think it's really fascinating to look at the changing attitudes within the last decade because back 10 years ago it was the it thing to go to the races with your friends dress in your finest garb and if you could weasel your way into the birdcage that Mm. was like the biggest social clout you could Mm -hmm. possibly get and now it's kind of like hard for influencers and celebrities to creep into the birdcage and get out unscathed like people are getting called out for going Mm. And according to Flemington Racecourse, data attendance has dropped every year since 2010. So the numbers are an all-time low last year with 73,816 people in attendance. But then back in 2002, this was like 122,000 people. Wow. But what I found really interesting when I was writing that article was that despite these attitudes changing, last year alone, Aussies gambled a whopping $223.8 million on the race. That's like we're one the, race. We're the number one gamblers in the world, I believe. Yeah. Australia, so. which is fucked. That's insane. Yeah. But, you know, as there's like, while so there's heaps of people who still love the Melbourne Cup and still support it and love a punt because, you know, we're Aussies, there's still this, there's now a movement called Nup to the Cup, which you would have heard, you would have seen it on IG. But I think that there is, you know, there's a lot of virtue signaling yes. that goes on at this time of year usually. Mm. And I don't think a lot of people actually know like what issues are surrounding it aside from what they see on the date, which is like, Mm. The whips. Yeah. And the horses dying. Yes. Which are big issues, clearly. Yeah. But what about, what do you guys think about, not to the cup, about the Melbourne Cup? Like, it's a very varied and nuanced kind of topic. I think I've, I don't, like, I don't care for horse racing and I, I don't feel the need to celebrate the Melbourne Cup. I think for me, whenever people go with the animal cruelty angle, 
I just, I, I think it is hypocritical. And, and I've seen arguments where people like, oh, you can't say, oh, because I eat meat that I, that I you know, it's hypocritical for me to say not to the carp. I'm like, but I feel like it is still hypocritical. Mm. We don't have to eat meat. Mm. I definitely think from the perspective of gambling and the fact that you, every year, you know, if you've ever walked into CBD at 4 p.m., you see some atrocious, you see Australians at their worst. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think, as you said, there's a lot of virtual signaling. There's a lot of, you know, when the influencers get on the gram and start saying, oh, so-and-so went to the Melbourne Cup today. That's disgusting. And it's like, okay, but when's the last time you had a steak or a yeah. chicken burger? Yeah. Like there, there is that cognitive dissonance where it's like, oh, but we, it's, it's because it's for entertainment and, you know, where it's, we're profiting off the entertainment. But I think probably a lot of the horses are treated well because they're an asset. Mm. And when you compare that to the livestock industry where a lot of, you know, results in death all the time. And yeah. I don't think animals are particularly treated well. Mm. I don't know how people are making that divide. So I don't support Melbourne Cup. I don't care for it. Mm. But I'm not going to slam people for doing it. I just think yeah. it's maybe a bit bogany. Yeah. <laughs> too. Yeah. But I, I'm like, you know what, if if you want to go out on the piss and punt, as they say. And but from the Daily Mail. Um, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I am one of those people. Like, I eat meat. I was a vegetarian for six years and I started eating meat and I don't support the Melbourne Cup. But it, it isn't really for the reason that, like, these horses who are running specifically, mm. yes, like, in the last 10 years, seven have died on the track because mm. of the circumstances. So that's awful. But one of the other big issues I learned about recently was wastage. So, like, it, you know how only the best of the best will end up on the professional NRL field, right? Sure. And then after they've had their time in the sun, they can maybe go to the bench or they'll retire and open a cafe. Mm. It doesn't really happen with horses. Imagine retire. if we did that to NRL players, <laughs> like, sent them to the abattoir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't How make hello sport come for me again <laughs> <laughs> um, i was gonna say they've got to start their podcast I know. <laughs> uh, but no retired horses have to be looked after but they don't have the draw card of the winnings horses are only viable to race for two to three years mm. of their long life mm-hmm. and then there was like this investigation by abc 730 in 2019 where they found that hundreds of racehorses were being sent to slaughterhouses despite racing australia claiming that less than one percent end up there each year the report also alleged that these horses faced incredibly cruel treatment mm. and there is footage. It's a really like I think doco, mm. but you're right. Like I think that all animals face awful yeah. treatment if they're going to die. The problem is though, is that like we don't need to be putting horses in this position. They don't need to be racing. That's true. Mm. And in Aussie horse racing in general, 168 horses have died on tracks this year. That's a horse killed from racing every two days. Mm. That's from a racing. lot. That is more mm. than I would have thought. My big point here, I think is that, because of how much gambling and greed is associated with the sport, how many people make money, mm. there is no way. We're all betting on animal races. How can you do it in a way that is, like, good to the animals when there's so much greed associated? Bad yeah. practices are going to happen mm. I think the only money. ethical, like, animal betting would be, like, which of these two puppies is the cutest? Yeah, corgi races. Yes. <laughs> like, Maybe, like, hermit crab racing. I do hermit crab Because they don't train for that. They kind of just let them. <laughs> That's true. Or cockroach races. They do that in Queensland, I think. I think they do that in a pub in Sydney too. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be so down for co- animal racing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, oh, I love that. You know how I'm always going on about how discourse lacks nuance in the media? Mm. But I don't think this does. I think mm. it's kind of, like, just weird to dress up and look fancy at an event where, like, Horses are just doing a little run. Yeah. And then many of them are literally euthanized on the track. 
Like, I know I'm such a left-leaning little no, bitch, I but it. I just, like, it's weird to me. Yeah, I get it. I personally love the debate of Nup and Yup to the Same. Cup purely because I love finding out that influencers or even, like, personal friends went, but they didn't post anything. <gasps> yes. Actually, that's yes. my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Too. I love it when, like, somebody who posts every day on this day is like, they haven't posted any stories Interesting. today. Why? That <laughs> Instagram's quite quiet today, guys. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Next up is what has your algorithm been feeding you this week? Alex, do you want to take it away? I sure do. My algorithm has been feeding me this week and many weeks over the past two years, honestly. A gentleman by the name of Keith Lee on oh, TikTok. I love Keith Lee. King. We love Keith Lee. If you're not familiar with Keith Lee, he's basically a food critic. His handle is at Keith underscore Lee 125, which is just so cute. Mm. He's fucking massive and he still has like numbers in his in his handle. So basically uh, Forbes describes him as a 27-year-old former MMA fighter who gained millions of followers on TikTok after documenting his pregnant wife's hyper-specific food cravings. Mm. In a sea of manic, fast-talking influences, Lee's understated sense of humor and straight-faced monotone was a breath of fresh air. And so after pivoting to food reviews, Lee's direct, down-to-earth style and consistency led to a following of more than 14 million on TikTok to the point where Lee has collaborated with YouTube chided Jimmy Mr. Beast Donaldson. That's how you know Oof. you've made it in yeah. today's day and age. That's it. So he's he's gained popularity because he just does these really deadpan, like basic, just down to earth food reviews. And he popped off during COVID, but he, as he started to gain popularity, he started to gain a lot of clout and mm. a lot of influence in the restaurant industry yeah. in America to the point where his reviews can now basically make or break a business. Essentially, the, what, what is now termed as the Keith Lee effect is that ability to make or break a restaurant right. from his reviews. And again, these reviews, these reviews are like two-minute videos on TikTok. Mm. It's insane the amount of power this man has. So, for example, on January 3 of this year, he did a review on a Las Vegas pizzeria, Frankenson's, and the restaurant owner, Steele, said that business wasn't great for his four-month-old restaurant and that he was lucky if he made $400 a day. Mm. However... After Keith Lee did a review of his chicken wings and gave his lemon pepper chicken wings 10 out of 10, within hours of Keith Lee putting up that video, this man had lines around the block. Just shows the influence. Yeah, and he doesn't give a lot of 10 out of 10. No, he doesn't. Mm. But he's also, I feel like he's very fair. He does give a lot of high ratings. He's not like going like, fuck this place, 2 out of 10 or anything. When he does give a low rating, he explains very well why. Mm -hmm. And he also always takes into consideration the customer service he received there. And to do that, he originally just was able to do that because he wasn't well known. But now he's well known and he doesn't ever want to receive special treatment from these restaurants. So he gets his family now to go in and order for him because Mm. he's too well known and too recognizable. There's some very funny memes going around on the internet of just like people like having to, you know, take courses into learning the entire lineage of the (laughs) family so they can recognize them when they come into their restaurants. And he's been based in Vegas, Vegas. right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But... 
Thank you for the segue, Effie. He's recently <laughs> taken it on the road. So what has been coming up in my feed lately is that he's taken his family to Atlanta for a trip. So he just naturally started reviewing restaurants in Atlanta. Now, I have never been to Atlanta. I don't know anything of the lore of Atlanta or anything, but he's come across a lot of really like weird rules and fucked up things that you have to do in order to get into Atlanta restaurants and mm. eat at Atlanta restaurants. They can't you can't order out or anything like that. And then everyone has really just come up and said, yes, Keith Lee is right. And it's basically <laughs> time for Atlanta's restaurant industry to be taken down. Drag them. But yeah, but Atlanta's restaurant scene has a reputation for strange and seemingly illogical restrictions and lackluster customer service that regularly inspires critical commentary and jokes online. And this has apparently just blown it up into the stratosphere. And so, for example, The Real Milk and Honey, after their review video went viral, they then posted a response video, which did not do very well. And it was basically the restaurant owners sitting and one of them is saying to the other one, oh, did you hear that Keith Lee gave us a bad review? And the other guy's going like, who the fuck's Keith Lee? (gasps) Oh, no. No! They got completely reamed for it. So the thing is... I completely agree that poor restaurant service should be reprimanded, especially for poor customer service. It's like, especially in America, like the whole thing there is that they pride themselves. Because of tips. Tips. Because of well. tips. So I don't understand where this is coming from. But my question to you guys is, is it potentially going too far? Because this Real Milk and Honey, despite their cringy response video, has apparently been receiving death threats. Oh, God. Because of their poor customer service and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, I think that's a good question. Is he going to get to a point where he's just way too influential? And that is a scary power to have that you could immediately... Like, I wouldn't want to have the power Mm. in my hands to have a business completely break down just because I've said a few words on camera. Is he going to have to be more careful with his reviews? Mm. And yeah. then, but then does he lose his edge if he's being more careful? Exactly. Like, does he lose the indie kind of vibe that he has? But I agree with you. I think the fact that one man's reviews, however, I, I adore him. I love Me him. Me too. The Me fact too. that one man's reviews can possibly bankrupt a business is insane. Mm. It's wild. But it got me thinking, like, does this happen in Australia. I was looking into do we have any comparable food reviewers or food critics online that are huge on social media and if I could if I could borrow a line from Scribe it's not many if any. Um, <laughs> I don't know eh? mighty. <laughs> there's, there's a guy called like Russ Eats uh, yeah. who's, who's huge. Uh, Another guy uh, Michael Finch who's huge. Love. I love him. He's uh, big on like Thai food, Malaysian yeah. food. But do they say they say like nothing negative really? Yeah, like it's, it's, re- like it's rarely negative. Keith is so unbiased. Like we'll give such a good review and comprehensive, like you mm. said, mm. he will describe exactly what he doesn't like. Mm. Whereas I don't feel like we have that. No, I don't think we definitely don't have anyone who can make or break a business. No, whatsoever. So what I'm seeing is that there's a gap in the market. Oh, we love it, and then maybe ID. maybe we should get on board and doing that. But I'm too much of a picky eater. Like I kind of, I kind of, I'll be like that as coriander, zero. <laughs> that is red onion, zero. I'm gluten free, so there's that. Oh and my then, can god! Can you eat gluten and onion and coriander? I can. I will. Okay. Well, together, brains trust. The show off does food. <laughs> I love. Yeah. This. And finally, we've got a new segment this week. It's called "What's been grinding your gears?" And Effie Bateman, what has been grinding your gears? Well, I saw this TikTok a few months ago. 
and I'm really sorry I have forgotten the name of the creator. Mm-hmm. I saw it after the Loki Awards mm. and this TikTok creator was saying that she believes the Australian media industry hasn't progressed since 2010. And she goes on to say, this is, of course, stemming from Sonia Kruger winning the Gold Logie Award. And she thoroughly believes that Australia is heavily stuck in 2010 when it comes to media industry, actors, musicians, comedians, everything, especially media personalities, where we're not allowing new talent in. And if you, every time I see these awards, I'm seeing the same people. I'm seeing Hamish Blake always winning. I'm seeing Sonia Kruger. I'm seeing Osha. Mm-hmm. Another example is who won new talent last year at the Logies? Oh, Amy yeah. Shark, <laughs> who's been around for fucking so years. Not. She is not new talent. And I can't pinpoint exactly why we're not progressing. I don't know if it's tall poppy syndrome. Peach PRC, who's a musician that has a big TikTok following, I remember seeing a video from her a few months ago saying, Whenever there's an article about her in the news, there's a lot of middle-aged people in the comments be like, who the fuck is this? And being really angry. Yeah. And the thing is, when you get older, you're not supposed to recognize the new talent. Yeah. We're, we're supposed to be able to, you know, I don't recognize a lot of the, the new talent, but I understand it's because it's not for my generation. But it doesn't make you mad. It doesn't make me angry. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I don't know. I don't know who this person is. So I would love to know your thoughts on why we refuse why we refuse new talent or if you think it's a problem i definitely think it's a problem i think you hit the nail on the head i think it's tall puppy syndrome Mm -hmm. and he also hit the nail on the head accidentally by saying middle-aged people i think it's a combo of boomer and tall puppy Mm. syndrome syndromes so you have older people in the boardrooms not really looking at all of the facts they're just kind of looking at okay we've got these safe bets we've got hamish blake sonia kruger they're so good at what they do and they Mm. are but Mm. like so are other people Mm. But there are some people I think have broken through, but the yeah. interesting as to why. So like Flex Mommy, great yep. example. Mm-hmm. But Flex Mommy is good at everything, has to be great at everything. It's but so I also think she, she's still not mm. mainstream, mainstream. Like if you yeah. look up the media personalities, type in Australian media personalities, all of them are in their 40s except Tony Armstrong. I yeah. think they let him break yeah. through, but he comes from sports. Yes. And we like ex-sports stars. We allow them to have media personalities. Mm. But even Abby Chatfield, I think there's a lot of pushback. She's doing well, but there's still a lot of pushback from people. She's a very polarizing figure. I would say, yeah, Flex Mummy and Frooms Mm. are doing really well, but they're not mainstream, mainstream. But yeah, if I was to ask my mum, do you know who this person is versus do you know who Hamish Blake is? Yeah. Oh, totally. I think that basically the boomer generation are the gatekeepers of the entertainment industry. As in they are the executive producers, they are the board members, they are the people that are making all of the high up decisions which essentially like they decide if someone becomes a media personality or not and they keep trying to bring back fucking daryl summers oh my god leave him away put him away i don't want to see him but that's a perfect example like i think the entertainment industry is in a death rattle daryl summers career is in a death rattle (laughs) and we still let him present it's a beating two three seasons it's beating a a dead horse they just they would rather do that than take a gamble on newer talent but it also means our generation i don't give a fuck about the logies i don't care i saw it in the news i don't want to watch it I feel like a lot of the award shows, Australian award shows, are losing interest. Like back in the day, for example, like the Arias, we, I remember when there was Axel Whitehead and oh, Ruby Rose so and he, he got his little whitehead out, didn't he? So, so that exciting. Was, that was so much fun. Mm. And I think 
it's the the whole you know blockbuster not taking on Netflix mm. thing happening all over again. If you don't adapt with the times, yeah, and try and keep up with the younger generations, you're gonna die. And like, if you think about it, everyone that we love now has been new talent at some point course, or other. Yes. Like there was a time in history where we didn't know who Hamish Blake was. Really? I yeah. feel like I've <laughs> known him my entire life. I feel I like know. I right. when we grew I up was with him. when I was born, he was in the, the room with me. He, he said, he "Welcome was. to the world, Effie." Yeah, <laughs> I think that's what he does to all Australians. Welcome to the world. <laughs> yeah, um, but I do think part of it is like. So in the last few years over TV, especially Australian TV, mm. we've gone back to this like nostalgia thing. Mm. That's why Daryl Summers came out of his coffin because That's he true. had to. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, because he had to like him and um, Sonia were hosting Dancing with the Stars again. And all of these different shows went back to like they tried to bring back Hey Hey Saturday. They oh did all this gosh, shit like that yeah. just to all like All Stars Big Brother mm. because they were dropping off numbers. And they're like, how do we get this like critical these critical viewers to tune in again. God forbid Nostalgia. we try something new and I know. try and get the younger audience. No, let's Uh-oh. let's go back to what worked 20 years ago. Yeah. And the sad thing is in many of these cases it didn't really work. No, exactly, and but they're not learning from no. the mistakes because the thing is like these shows that were around 20 years ago, that audience has aged 20 years. So they yeah. might, might not necessarily be into those kind of shows anymore. No, my know? mom's not doesn't care about Hey Hey It's Saturday. Yeah. She likes selling houses Australia yeah. and you know grand design. Yeah, and better homes and gardens. She loves yes. real Meghan estate. Mark and Markle hate videos. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't know. I, I think about this a lot because I, I love the Australian entertainment industry yeah. but would love to see it being brought into the new generations. I wonder if like the kind of the only way that new talent can be brought into the mainstream these days are like what we spoke about before, like your Tony Armstrongs, your Abby Chatfields mm. with people only who either have a sporting or reality TV mm. background – I think it's rare it's just almost impossible now for anyone who doesn't have another media's background yeah. just to break through. Do we think that this is salvageable or do we think... I think it's... I'm an eternal optimist. I mm. think it is salvageable. And I think we're going to have no choice but to get new talent mm. as people grow up and the new generation come along. Not, no one's going to want to watch Sonia Kruger forever. Yeah. I think what will happen is we'll start seeing a shift once the people in power have aged out of those roles. True. Mm. And younger yeah. people are starting to move into, yeah, EP roles and head of network roles and that mm. kind of stuff. I don't think – I think that's where it all comes down to. Yeah. So once people – cool people are in those positions. Maybe we need to infiltrate those positions, ditch the show off, okay. work our way up corporate. Okay, I no, like I'll, I'll go food critic. I'll focus okay, on that yeah, part yeah, yeah. and then you guys because focus you're, on – Because you've got the better palette for exactly. that. Exactly. Running can, a network. Can we can use our feminine wiles to – titties out (laughs) so this week on spotify we're asking you are you yup or are you nup to the cup you've already heard our opinion so we'd love to hear yours and that's all we've got for you from this week on the internet thanks for listening and join us again next week wherever you get your podcast or if you want to watch us react to whatever the fuck effie brings to the table each week uh you can tune in on pedestrian television on night now